Hi, I am Father Alex, and I am the host of the Godcast. I am also the vicar of St. Matthew's Church in Burnley, and I'm also the author of a book entitled Our Daily Bread from Argos to the Altar, a Priest Story. Thanks for checking out the Godcast. Uh, today's interview is with a gentleman called John Spencer Barnes, and John is somebody who's had a long uh, career in radio, in commercial radio, and also working for the BBC. He's a local guy. He's based in uh, up near Lancaster. And so this uh, Godcast is with John Spencer Barnes. There's loads more uh, just by Googling the Godcast, looking around, uh, check me out on uh, Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. You'll find me at Alex DJ Frost, and you'll find me on all uh, uh, podcast platforms as well. So uh, welcome to the Godcast. I'm Father Alex, and now enjoy this uh, fabulous interview with John Spencer Barnes. Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, joining me on the Godcast this week is John Spencer Barnes. Now, John is probably best known for his work in the radio and media industry. He's working for uh, iconic radio stations such as Rock FM and spent over 20 years working uh, at BBC Radio Lancashire. John, it's, it's brilliant to get you on the Godcast. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, thank you, Alex. It's good to be here. I guess for for... For many people, they will they will know the voice, but not necessarily the face. Yes. Did you like it that way? <laughs> I always preferred it that way. Uh, for a while, while I was working for BBC Hereford Worcester, they said we need you to do a bit of TV as well. So, uh, so they sent me off to work for Midlands Today for uh, for a couple of months, and uh, I was always terrified of being in Tesco and buying bananas and someone saying, "I know who you are." And uh, it only occasionally happens with a voice because some people say it's quite distinctive. Uh, but I was always terrified of being recognised by uh, by my face walking around the streets. I, I can't think of anything worse than that. So, so on those occasions where people did recognise your voice, did it take you by surprise? It always, still to this day, takes me by surprise. And I always say, yeah, hello. Uh, yes, that, that is my voice. Yes, thank you for, uh, thank you for noticing. I always try to be pleasant with people, as pleasant as you can be when you're a grumpy old man. But, uh, but, but yeah, uh, but I can't imagine being in a position where, where where your work enables you to walk down the streets and people point and say, I know who that is. Yeah. Uh, not something that, that would ever have appealed to me. And, no. and, and so, so after two months uh, with Midlands Today and, and doing a few reports on TV, uh, luckily I got back to radio. Where, where did the, um, where did life begin for you, John? You've got one of those accents that's not. Um, I mean, I know where you're from because I've done a little bit of research, but it's not it's not obvious where you're from. Where where was where was your upbringing? I was born in the Black Country in Dudley, uh, Gornal, uh, a place very close to the Crooked House, which uh, which has been in the news in the past uh, week or so for, for burning down. Uh, I was. Uh, born to uh, I was born to a family and, and we didn't have a lot of money we lived in a, a council house in the in the middle of the black country uh one parent family although I did end up uh, living with the uh, with the entire extended family in the in the three-bedroom house you know my gran uh three uncles and aunts uh, my mother my sister and it was uh it was it was kind of tough but uh but you, you know you, you kind of 
do your best in that situation. And you don't realise at the time uh, what the situation is because clearly we had nothing at all. We, we had an outside toilet. Uh, and, and but, but in truth, my mum was a very brave woman because in 1961, she decided to keep hold of her, of her child. Who uh, And in 1961, that would have been a very, very tough decision to make. She, she was obviously a very, very strong person. And, uh, and, and life, was, life was hard. You didn't realise that at the time because, because you don't realise how, how your situation is any different to anybody else's. But looking back, I, I realised it was a very hard life for my mum and the family. Was there was your your mother's upbringing religious? I mean, many people from that generation were, you know, it was almost normal, unlike these days. That, that, that there was yeah. some sort of church upbringing. Was that the case with your mom? Certainly, it was. My mum had quite an interesting relationship with, with the church. Uh, uh, our local church, uh, St Peter's in Upper Gornal. My mum had a. Uh, she, she was very deferential towards the vicar, which, which I think is, uh, it was very much a thing of the time. And, uh, and I was sent to Sunday school, which I didn't particularly enjoy doing because I'd been to school Monday to Friday and I didn't particularly want to do something else on Sunday morning. So I was sent to Sunday school and my mum was, was always very deferential to John the vicar. And, uh, and, and I think that was very much a, uh, very much part of the mid sixties. Do you think her kind of robustness uh, and challenge to adversary rubbed off, rubbed off on your own life, John. Yeah, I think it did because I, I was always aware. Uh, only it took me a long time to work this out. Uh, I, I went to school, uh, went to went to college, uh, and I, I did okay. Uh, I, I remember at, uh, at at school, I said I want to work on the radio because my, my accent was much more black country at the time. And they said, no, 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 you need to get a job at Round Oak Steelworks, which, which is now the site that uh, a few years later was flattened and is now the, uh, the huge Merry Hill shopping centre. And, and I kind of realised I, I got knocked back so many times because I did have quite a distinctive black country accent. And, and you can still notice the, the, the tones, the, the, the black country accent below the voice. But it, it's kind of mellowed out over the years. I remember once at Rock FM, uh, somebody called and said, can I speak to the Brummie newsreader? Which, which, which horrified me because I'm from the black country, which is next door. We'll be, black country's not in Birmingham at all. And, and yeah, uh, I, I got myself to university as a mature student when I was 22. And uh, th that was because I'd spent a lot of time mixing with people who worked in university radio. And I'd realised that that I could do that. But of course, it was never an expectation for a lad from a council estate in the black country to go to university. So, so I got myself in there and, uh, and did, did reasonably well. And, uh, you know, humanities, history, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it was at that time as well where I kind of realised that I might possibly be gay because that's not the kind of thing that you uh, that you did or, or, or were on a council estate in the black country in the 1960s. And, and it, it took me a long, long time to work that out because there were no role models. There was nobody there saying this is an OK thing to be. And, and it was well into my 30s before I, I finally, finally discovered all that. I kind of thought I had no interest in relationships and because 
I, I wasn't attracted to, to women. I, I had a kind of vague feeling uh, and a vague interest in, in men, but it wasn't from my 30s that I worked that out. And uh, but, but now I've been with my husband for 25 years and we're extraordinarily happy. Was it was it a relief to come out, John? Was it or was it or, uh, or was it a difficult? You know, was there a a long period of procrastination and consideration, or what 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 led you to that that point where you thought, I just got to come out with this now? Well, 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 to be honest, it was it was it was well into the uh, well into the nineteen nineties because I'd spent all this time. I had loads of friends, loads of friends, and I remember the managing director at, at Rock FM. She said to me, she said, "There's a lovely lady here who would do just right for you." And I thought, well, I'm not really into that. But I hadn't worked out I was gay. I was in my mid thirties. It still didn't make sense to me. And I had a few kind of realizations, and I thought, yeah, you know, it, it all makes sense now. And once it all made sense in my head, that was fine. I, I could move forward with it. And I, I know people have, you know, straight people, gay people, they, often it can take them a long time to find the love of their life. But, but I was extraordinarily lucky in, in, in that I, I met my husband, a Burnley boy. We, we met in Burnley. And uh, and 25 years later, uh, we're still together. And, and Dave was my first and only love. It's extraordinary. Yeah. And, and, and where are you now, John, in terms of uh, are, are you a bit of an activist for the for the for the gay movement? You know, I've had lots of yeah. uh, people on the Godcast. Peter Tatchell was on recently. Yeah. He's been an incredible advocate not just for gay rights but for civil rights and and you know what over the years mm. um I, I wonder you know i wonder how somebody like you looks upon the church you know i'm obviously i'm part of the church church of england and we've been battling away over over the last year quite terribly really about whether we we should be blessing same-sex relationships and as an inclusive priest i've been Yes. from the rooftops to advocate that but but somebody on on the outside of the church john does it matter what what the church thinks or does in some respects it does because the church is still the establishment and 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 i've been disappointed i by the speed of progress for lgd lgbt people in the anglican church and i, I think you were at the synod meeting where it was decided the priests will be allowed to bless civil marriages of same-sex couples. And, and I recognise that there are opposing views, but the blessing really isn't enough. And full equality for LGBT plus Christians still seems a distant hope, and it will push more people away from the church. LGBT couples still can't marry in church. It's a discrimination which is really rather depressing. I think society has moved on and the church is in danger of being left behind. Uh, a friend of mine uh, years ago, who's, uh, who's, who's a priest in, uh, in Vancouver, he, he's a lad who moved over from, uh, from Devon. He said, next time you're in Vancouver, he said, I'm going to give you a blessing in the church. But, but, but sadly, uh, the, the, the past few years, what with travel and, uh, and COVID, uh, I didn't get to get there. But, uh, but next time you're in Vancouver, I shall take up his very kind offer. That's really interesting. I only know one priest in Vancouver, and that's Reverend Michael Corrin. It's not the same person, is it? It's not, no. Oh, <laughs> well, there we go. It's not. But, 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 but I think you and my friend in uh, in Vancouver would get on very well. Well, maybe that's a conversation that we could explore, definitely. 
So, well, thanks for your thanks for your comments on on that, John. I think it's important for people in the church to hear that. Um, let's just go back to the the radio stuff. I mean, I, I've loved radio all my life. I I still love it. Um, and now it's very difficult for me to kind of be loyal to a radio station because there's some yes. good quality radio around now. But when you were exploring that, what was the kind of general response? Because I do think that when you say you want to go into radio, it's mm. like it's a bit like saying I want to be a magician, isn't it? Or I want to be a yes. stand-up comedian. Was it a difficult pathway for you? It was. Uh, because certainly if you listen to the radio these days, you'll hear all kinds of accents from all around the country. It's almost uh, a guarantee that, that you need some kind of regional accent before you can get onto radio and TV these days. Uh, but certainly in the 80s, uh, that wasn't the case. And I remember doing some work experience at uh, BBC WM in Birmingham. And, uh, and, and the lady who was running programmes said to me, said, John, you'll never work for the BBC. You're far too black country. And I thought, thank you, thank you very much, bearing in mind that, that, that I live in the area that you're broadcasting to. Uh, so so it, it, took, it took a long time. I, 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 I took up all kinds of bits and pieces. I ended up working uh, freelance for an experimental BBC station in Birmingham, WM Hartlands, which covered uh, the, east, uh, the, the eastern side of Birmingham, an area that has all kinds of social problems. And in some respects, it was a great way to move forward because I've always said that, that my role as a broadcaster and journalist is to amplify the voices of those who are misunderstood, unheard, abused, marginalised. And, and that was a great grounding in doing that. From there, uh, from a contact I made in East Birmingham, I went to run a radio station in Freetown in Sierra Leone that was an absolutely extraordinary experience. Uh, came back, uh, went to Sunderland to uh, to, to be the uh, deputy head of news at Weir FM, which was a very small commercial radio station in, in Wearside. Uh, while I was there, we won the Sony Gold Award for Station of the Year. Uh, from there, uh, I went on to run uh, Radio Maldwin in Mid Wales, uh, which was great because I, I picked up a lot more Welsh. I, I, I wish I could speak Welsh better. Uh, last uh, last month, it was the 30th anniversary, or what would have been the 30th anniversary of Radio Maldwin. So we all got together back in Mid Wales uh, and, and a chance to to try and speak a bit more Welsh again. I, I am very rusty. And, and and from there, up to Rock FM. So it, 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 it's been a... An, an, extra, an extraordinary journey in some respects. Do you, uh, I mean, obviously Rock FM and Radio Lux mm. are two different kind of yes. uh, platforms really, aren't they? What What was the joy of working for a commercial radio station such as Rock FM? Was, the, was I, there more freedom in that, in that role? Well, I always, I always wanted to work for, for commercial radio because some people are a bit older than me were obsessed with the pirates. They're obsessed with Radio Caroline and Radio London, and and, and the first commercial presenters I got to know quite well. Uh, they were, you know, you know, obsessed with with the pirates, and some of them had started on the pirates. But to me, it never resonated because I'm a, I'm a little bit too young. Uh, but but it was BRMB in Birmingham and Beacon Radio in Wolverhampton, which came on air in 1976. I, I was 14. And it blew my tiny mind because it, it was just extraordinary. Uh, the extraordinary presenters, extraordinary presentation style that didn't really sound mid-Atlantic. It sounded like it was coming from California and it was broadcasting from Wolverhampton. And I thought, goodness me, I want to do this.
So, so I always wanted to work in, in, in commercial radio. And uh, commercial radio is a very cutthroat industry. If you're not staff, at the end of doing a show, someone can tell you, you know, that was your last show today. And, uh, and a presenter who is very well known in Lancashire would often say to me, JB, there's a cold wind blowing around this building today because, you know, uh, often people can be let go at the drop of a hat. Luckily, at Rock FM, I was staff, which was excellent. To the, you know, they, uh, it, it, it's much harder to get rid of you. Mm. But, but commercial radio certainly is a, a very cutthroat uh, cut business. But a lot, a lot of the stations I work for, the, the, the Chilton Radio Network in the, in the home counties and, and Rock FM, those stations were like families. And, and, and we all got on, you know, because, you know, you don't make an awful lot of money in commercial radio. But, uh, but certainly Maldron in Mid Wales, Rock FM, uh, Chilton, it was like a big family. Rock FM was a big family. And a lot of the people there, that they are still, it, it's almost 30 years since I came to Lancashire to, to work at Rock FM. And a lot of those people there are still my friends because it was just an extraordinary place to work, you know, in the church, in the, in the centre of Preston, which sadly is no longer the home of the radio station, but it was uh, it was an extraordinary place to work, extraordinary people. Yeah, and it and it really took off, didn't it, in Lancashire? It, it really mm-hmm. it really was a successful uh, enterprise, if that's the right word for it. Yes, uh, in some respects, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, over the last ten years, commercial radio has changed greatly. It's, it's gone from a position where there was uh, where, where every station was independent, independent businesses, to a point now where there are two large groups who pretty much own everything uh, and rock fm is owned by a, a german company called bauer media and and bauer uh even though the rock fm brand is still on the air that the name of the station still exists uh, only 20 hours are specific to the rock fm transmitter the the rest is a network from manchester and and the 20 local hours of rock fm come from the come from the same studio in manchester so it's not as local as it was although certainly the success of bauer media and and global who own companies like lbc and capital uh has shown that maybe the audience wasn't that obsessed with it being local because commercial radio now has its highest figures that it's ever had while I was at Rock FM in the mid-90s, commercial radio moved to 51% to 49%, something like that, compared with the BBC. But uh, but then the BBC came back. Although now, commercial radio is ahead of the BBC again. So maybe, even though I mourn the passing of local radio, uh, certainly commercial radio seems to be stronger than it's ever been. Yeah, well, that, that leads me to my next question. Do you, th- do you think that's why the BBC has made these... Uh... But I'm not quite sure if it's even been finalised yet, John. But there are there's there's quite significant changes to local radio afoot. What what's your take on all that then? I think Alex, it's it's pretty much finalised uh, from the people I, I I still have contact with with within the BBC. Uh, it's uh, if people don't know, it means that stations like uh, Radio Lancashire will only be local. Monday to Friday from 6am to 2pm the rest of the day in the week except for sport will be shared with other stations and the late show for example will be national and I did the late show on Radio Lancashire and Radio Manchester for 10 years and I think that is a, a really huge disappointment because late at night 
you build very real connections with the audience. You're, you're talking to people who are on their own, who, who may have nobody else, and for, for whom radio really is a friend and a lifeline. And, and that is the time of night that, that, that the people have real connections with the radio. During daytime, people kind of listen. It's, it's in the background. But late at night, you're making a real decision to listen to the radio. And I think a, a national late show on BBC local radio covering everywhere from Berwick-upon-Tweed to the Channel Islands is a huge mistake. Mm. And I think the daytimes where all around the country trusted voices are being lost from BBC local radio because they haven't made the cuts. I think the way that the BBC has gone about this and making people reapply for the jobs has been appalling and appallingly managed. And th there were some stations like, like Radio Gloucestershire where every presenter uh, was unsuccessful in gaining a job, and uh, and and, and their and, and their new station presenters will come from elsewhere. Yeah. It, it's a huge mistake, and it's a huge mistake to the localization and to the community of BBC Local Radio. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. What by what you say? I mean, uh, in church we have a people of a certain demographic and a certain mm -hmm. vintage, like ourselves, and I know that by speaking to them, a lot of, for a lot of those people, local radio is where it's at, you know, and mm. quite often I'll pop up on Radio Lancashire and somebody, you know, the amount of people that say I heard you always surprises me, but maybe it shouldn't because for them it is um, it is a bit of a lifeline, isn't it? It's a bit of a, a relationship and, and there's a familiarity with the presenters. And, and I wonder if you think... Um, I mean, I don't like to, I don't know if you, ageist is the right word, but I wonder if there's a bit of a disregard for uh, elder listeners and elder people in our community at the moment. What, what do you think? As I get older, uh, Alex, and uh, astonishingly, I've recently hit 60, which, which is, which is amazing. I know I don't look it, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, but, but you actually don't think that you're old. I don't think I'm old. Yeah. I was writing websites 25 years ago. So, so yes, I do know how to use the internet, you know. Uh, I may look old. I may have a big white beard. but I, I may look like Santa. But, you know, in, in my head, I'm 25. And just because I happen to be just over 60 now, I do know how to do those things. And I think people kind of ignore the experience, the life experience of older people. And, you know, I, I think that's the thing of youth. Because I, I know when, when I was when I was in my teens, like old people, you know, but then again, you, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, my uncles who'd worked down the pit and in an aluminium factory, they were old men of 40. And I don't think that's the case these days. Uh, but maybe younger people don't realise that. Yeah. And, and, and now, John, you've moved away from it. And I, I know you do occasional... Uh, presenting uh freelancing do, do you miss the regularity of it do you know i thought i would i thought that my identity was so tied in to being on the radio that it would uh that it would completely un unravel me but it turns out it doesn't and it didn't because because now i get to spend all day with my best friend uh we, we can go for long walks along the canal uh I, I can do the odd bit of work that I want. Taking voluntary redundancy at 59 was the best thing I ever did. And uh, it, and lots of walks, it means I've, I've lost five stone this year. 
uh, and I know you might say, you know, goodness me, you're big enough as you are, John. You know, but but five stone heavier than this was was not a good thing at all. So uh, so today we'll go up to Carnforth, have a long walk along the canal of Carnforth, uh, do a bit of shopping, and and I can do what I like. I've, I've gone back to uh, pretty much what I did in my degree in, in in terms of history, and I'm doing various historical projects, uh, doing some work as a performance historian. Uh, doing some work at Salmsby Hall, and that's fantastic. I can work when I want to, and uh, and I, I'm very lucky. Uh, voluntary redundancy in, enabled me to pretty much, you know, be secure for the next few years, and and that's all that you can really want, all that you can hope for. Yeah, just tell us a bit about that performance uh, work that you do, John. You you dress up, don't you? Yes, uh, I've always been quite interested in dressing up, uh, and uh, it all goes back. Where you go in the country and, and doing battle reenactments, and I... we stopped again there, didn't we? I've always quite enjoyed. I loved doing reenactments, and and now since I've uh, stopped doing as much radio. I've um, I've gone back to it and and been doing a bit more uh, history, a, a bit back to my roots, uh, doing a few bits at Salmsby Hall, and uh, and if anybody wants to hire somebody who who can uh, dress up in 16th and 17th century garb or, or or a little bit more modern as well in some respects, that then I am your man. <laughs> John, it's been a bit lovely talking to you, and I'm sure there'll be people out there who who very much miss your dulcet tones on the radio. So, and they will enjoy this catch up to check in and see that you're doing well, and you've lost a bit of timber, and you seem very <laughs> happy. Are you, are you are you still a fan of the radio? Do you do you have a, a a choice, a radio station of choice these days? I still, I'm not quite as obsessed with radio as I was when I was a teenager, when I would listen. You know, people said they listened to Radio Luxembourg, you know, you know, under the pillow. And uh, and I did a bit of that. I, I would stay up to the early hours of the morning listening to radio, listening to people and getting to understand what radio was like and, and how you could do it and trying to work out how to get rid of my black country accent so I could do it myself. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I still listen to a lot of radio. My husband is obsessed with James and Sheila on LBC. So, so I pretty much have, have little choice during the day anyway. Yeah, it is a great. I'm 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 a big fan of Sheila Fogarty, but I but I'm a bit of a sports fan as well. So I I do float around the channels, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, well, John, it's been great, lovely, lovely to meet you, lovely to talk to you. Uh, thank you for your contribution to the world of radio. It is a platform that I've loved all my life and uh, listened to you many times, and really appreciate your time and coming on the Godcast. Thank you. And you survived, Alex. You survived listening to the show. <laughs> God bless. God bless.